Warriors, this is the Epilepsy Spectrum, your short and sweet stop for all things epilepsy. I'm your host, Tiff the Titan, and thank you for joining this collaborative journey into overcoming epilepsy. If this is your first time here, then welcome to the Epilepsy Tribe. We connect here every week to learn from each other, embrace epilepsy in our lives, foster community and relationships, and promote advocacy, and highlight what's new with epilepsy. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. Today, we are talking to a world-renowned expert on dietary treatments for epilepsy. His name is Eric Kossoff. He is the director of the Child Neurology Residency Program, the medical director of the Pediatric Ketogenic Diet Center, and professor of neurology and pediatrics at John Hopkins in Baltimore, Maryland. Eric, welcome to the show. Thanks, Tiffany. Today, we will be talking about dietary treatments for epilepsy, but in particular, the ketogenic diet. Before we go in depth about that, just tell me a little bit about yourself and your interest in epilepsy. Well, I was a uh, child neurology resident. Uh, I'm at Hopkins, and I was at Hopkins at the time, and so I've, I've been here now about 20 years. And so as a child neurology resident, you get exposed to all kinds of um, different sub sort of, uh, you know, subspecialties within child neurology. There's genetics, neuromuscular disease, there's infectious disease, headaches, and epilepsy. And so um, as I was a um, uh, second-year child neurology resident, I was fortunate enough to spend time with Dr. John Freeman and Dr. Patty Vining um, and do some electives with them and um, got to watch what they do. Um, And they were uh, spectacular uh, epilepsy physicians, uh, really cared a lot about children, and were really very interested in the science uh, behind epilepsy and not just uh, dietary therapies, which I learned from them, but also surgery and medications and all the different ways that we can help these children to uh, be successful and uh, in many cases be cured of their epilepsy. And so as a trainee, I was, uh, you know, it's, I think it's true for a lot of us in medicine that uh, we spend um, a lot of our time um, with direct one-on-one contact with our physician mentors, and it's a lot of it is who you spend time with. You know, these were my role models, and I said, I, I think I like you know, doing epilepsy work. I found it interesting, and so I stayed and did an epilepsy fellowship at Hopkins for one year, and I had every intention of leaving after that and uh, going out into private practice neurology, but I decided to stay for a little while, and it was, that was my plan, yeah. <laughs> and uh, 20, 20 years later, I'm, I'm still at Johns Hopkins. That's awesome. Was there something about it that stood out to you or that sparked your interest, or were you just fascinated with all of it? You know, I, I had never heard of the ketogenic diet um, as a pediatric resident, certainly not in medical school. And again, with the mentorship, you know, spending time with John Freeman and Patty Vining, just watching how excited they were about it and seeing these children who came from all over the United States and sometimes the world um, that would come to Baltimore to be put on this diet and, you know, watching sometimes over the span of days, watching their seizures go away, stop, um, you know, they sometimes would come in wearing helmets and leave without wearing the helmets. Um, for someone who had never heard of this before, all I had heard about was medications. I, I was blown away. Sure. And so I, you know, as I formed my interest in epilepsy, I decided to do some research into it and uh, answer some questions. This was back in the early 2000s. And there still are today a lot of questions that we need to answer. Um, but back then there were even more. And so I thought it was a field that 
um, was interesting, you know, certainly very different than what I had you know, ever seen before, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, something where I could really make a difference. Well, tell us a little bit about the ketogenic diet. Now, I think it, sure. it started yeah. around the 20s when there was a little bit of interest there. Am I correct in that? Right. Yeah, so we are, we are um, about one year and four months, uh, depending when the podcast is uh, broadcast, but about one year, four months away from the 100-year anniversary of the ketogenic diet. It was created in July 1921 at the Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota. And they had known for probably about 20, 30 years that water diets and brief periods of fasting could help epilepsy. Um, They didn't understand why. They really actually didn't know uh, a lot about epilepsy even back then. But they knew that this was successful even after food was reintroduced. It still seemed to have a lasting benefit. And so this was back in 1921. They said, look, we need to have something that could be created as uh, a maintainable long-term therapy. You can't just do water diets, obviously, forever. And so in 1921, they created the ketogenic diet, which is a high-fat, low-carbohydrate, moderate-protein diet. Uh, And it was designed initially to mimic fasting and starvation. That was the theory, that it was um, essentially doing the same thing as starvation. Turns out now, 100 years later, we know that these are actually two very separate therapies. Um, both intermittent fasting sometimes helps seizures, but also the ketogenic diet clearly helps seizures. Um, but you know, now 100 years later, it is you know extremely popular. It is uh, mainstream, so to speak. Most pediatric epilepsy centers have a ketogenic diet center. We're now seeing an explosion in adult epilepsy diet centers all over the country and world that are providing the diet for adults with epilepsy. And, you know, 100 years have gone by pretty quickly in the, in the course of the diet. It's a pretty amazing thing to be watching. It is. Now, is it healthy and is it safe? Yeah, so, you know, it's, it's interesting. It, it can be done uh, safely and in many ways it can be healthy, but it absolutely is a medical treatment. And just like any medical treatment, there are potential side effects, and this is why it's extremely important that anyone thinking about a dietary therapy uh, d- does it with an epilepsy center with a neurologist and dietitian. It really shouldn't be done on your own. Right. Uh, despite the fad of the ketogenic diet mm-hmm. now for weight loss, it's pretty pretty incredible to see. Um, even that has potential risks um, and side effects. So um, it can be done safely if you keep an eye on blood work, you keep an eye on the GI potential side side effects like stomach upset, constipation, um, that can happen with the ketogenic diet. Um, it can definitely be done uh, safely. Now, I've heard something about the keto flu. Is that a side effect as well? Yeah. So, you know, there, there's sort of like, I guess, to talk about side effects, Tiffany, there's, there's sort of, a, um, there are the more common side effects and then there are the more sporadic or rare side effects. Mm-hmm. The, the common ones tend to be gastrointestinally related. So, again, constipation, sometimes some reflux, sometimes some hunger, um, sometimes people will lose weight, which can be intentional, okay? Mm-hmm. But, you know, for some patients, you, you don't want them to lose weight, so you have to keep an eye on that. Um, and the keto flu, as we call it, uh, is sometimes, you know, something we see as the body makes a metabolic change from burning carbohydrates to burning fat. Sometimes people can feel a little tired, they can feel a little fatigued and sort of 
you know, just sort of lack of energy. We, you know, we see this not uncommonly. It, it can be, I guess, sort of ameliorated with fluids and salt and sort of a slower titration sometimes. We'll back off on the diet and start it a little more slowly. But, you know, these are, these are some of the common ones we can see when children come into the hospital. And still most centers will bring children to the hospital for a few days to start the diet. Sometimes they can have these symptoms. They can be hypoglycemic. Mm-hmm. Um, and so these things are, are not, I guess, uncommon. The more rare side effects tend to be some things that we can actually do a great job preventing with different supplements. And so kidney stones, we used to see about 6% of the time. So it was pretty common. About one out of 20 uh, children on the ketogenic diet would develop kidney stones uh, for various different reasons. And now with prevention, with extra fluid, with something called citricate, we can really drop the percent down to 0.5%. And so we don't see kidney stones, thankfully, that often and any longer. Awesome. There's also certain vitamin deficiencies that we can prevent with supplements. Carnitine deficiency we can prevent um, if that starts to happen. High cholesterol, we can make some diet modifications to affect that too. So there are some more rare side effects, but most of them are preventable, um, which is great. How many carbs are allowed on the keto diet? So it depends um, which diet, and that's sort of, I guess, another segue, Tiffany. There's actually now five different uh, ketogenic dietary therapies, Mm -hmm. Um, and and families will come to us sometimes uh, asking for one versus the other. There's the classic ketogenic diet, which is 90, 92% fat, and the rest is mostly protein with a little bit of carbohydrates, and that is the strictest form that's been around since 1921. Foods are weighed and measured on a gram scale, mm-hmm. um, and so the average child on that ketogenic diet, you know, it can vary depending on how many calories they're taking. It's it's not a set amount of carbohydrate, but it can be anywhere from eight to maybe thirty grams of carbohydrate, depending on the situation. Okay. Um, but there's four other ketogenic diets. There's one called the modified ketogenic diet, which is a lower ratio. So the, the ratio is the ratio of fat to carb and protein combined. And so it's a lower ratio ketogenic diet where they use um, common household measures um, in order to create these recipes and meals. There's a diet we created at Hopkins back in 2003 called the Modified Atkins Diet. Um, And that, uh, as you asked, uh, does more focus on the carbohydrates. So uh, children and adults are on 20 grams of carbohydrates per day. Not zero, but still a very low amount. Mm -hmm. And that ends up um, still being a high-fat diet but does allow for some more protein. Um, and that has started as an outpatient, usually without a fasting period. And there's also the MCT diet, um, which focuses the type of fat on more MCT or medium chain triglycerides, like coconut oil. And then the final diet is something called the low glycemic index treatment, created in Boston in 2005. And that actually focuses on the uh, glycemic indices of the carbohydrates. So you want to have a lower glycemic index carb. So, for example, more things like blueberries and strawberries than perhaps bananas or papayas, more sort of whole grains than sort of white bread, for example. Okay. It's an interesting diet that uh, but also does seem to work. Who do you think are the best candidates for these types of diets? Epilepsias. So that's, a, that's you know an excellent question that I think most of us, neurologists in the ketogenic diet world have been trying to answer for the last 20 to 30 years. Before that, we really didn't know. Um, If you read books or chapters about the ketogenic diet, review articles, they would say, just try it and see what happens. We really didn't know who were the ideal candidates. There was a perception that children were, but even that's been questioned actually lately Mm -hmm. because adults can do very well. And 
over the last 20 years, we've realized, I think through good research, um, case reports, and then more prospective studies, that there actually are some various forms of epilepsy, some epilepsy syndromes, in which children can do extremely well, both children and adults. So a condition called GLUT1 deficiency, they can do extremely well. Many of them, that's the only therapy that they're on for their epilepsy, is a ketogenic diet. We know other conditions like infantile spasms, Doza syndrome, Rett syndrome, Angelman syndrome. These are just a, a few of the epilepsies that seem to be exquisitely responsive to ketogenic diets. And so as we've learned this over the last 20 years, um, it's a really important message that we get out to general neurologists and pediatricians and, and parents and listeners uh, to your podcast, you know, that you know, if you have an epilepsy syndrome that seems to be very responsive to ketogenic diet therapy, you should think about it. You should talk to your neurologist about it. There's some interesting evidence starting to form that maybe even trying the diet before medications in some of these uh, epilepsy syndromes may make sense. Right. Um, that's perhaps the future. Right. I tried intermittent fasting at one point, and it was more for fitness reasons. I was just trying to trim out some fat. And I had less seizures that week. I was still having weekly seizures at the time. And I went like 10 days straight without a seizure. I felt great. I felt more alert just to think that such a simple thing can really impact you in your life that way. Yeah, intermittent fasting is a, is a hot topic. There's some animal evidence and a little bit of human evidence that, you know, not, again, not only does it perhaps uh, help, uh, we do need definitely more trials, but it seems to be very different than the ketogenic diet. And so we've had patients who were on the ketogenic diet and it didn't work and we tried fasting and that did work, um, again, suggesting these are separate therapies. But yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a very cool topic. Absolutely. In regards to women, can these diets affect your menstrual cycle? So it's interesting. They, um, there was actually data going back even into the 1930s, 1940s, when you know they were using ketogenic diets, um, not just for children but adults, um, that it did seem to have some effect on menstrual cycles of women, um, you know, teenagers and, and adults. And it's sort of this kind of mixed data about that. Um, it definitely seems to have some effect. Sometimes none, but sometimes it, it can sort of alter the cycles. There's some interesting evidence uh, that was uh, published, in, I think, in a poster form. I don't think it was uh, formally published, at least yet, um, that suggested that if you had sort of sporadic seizures throughout the month and you're a woman and you went on a ketogenic diet, it would sort of change your sort of seizure pattern to become more sort of related to your menstrual period. Mm. Um, and so interesting, you know, very preliminary. Um, is that a good thing? Is that not a good thing. It's, it's, it's just different, but mm-hmm. it at least does have some perhaps, um, I guess, sort of communication with sort of uh, the hormone levels um, and maybe, um, you know, it's having some effect there. But it's not something that, you know, we necessarily have to warn about. It doesn't, you know, always do this, um, but um, it does you know, seem to have some effect perhaps. Okay. Well, before I let you go, I just have two more questions for you. And I picked them out from some followers. They were questions that were sent in from Instagram and Twitter. So Stalin wrote in and said that she has a four-year-old that tried the keto diet in 2018. And the diagnosis then was infantile spasms. And that manifested as LGS or Lennox Gastaut syndrome. So do you think the ketogenic diet is worth another shot for them? Huh. So, you know, I would say without knowing the history and the story, I can't say. And I'm assuming it didn't help because they're 
they're now often thinking about trying it again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I mean, I can make some generalities in terms of we, we do know the diet uh, can be very helpful for infantile spasms. Um, it can also be helpful for Lennox-Gastaut syndrome. The data is actually a little stronger for infantile spasms, and so if they've sort of the child has sort of changed into Lennox-Gastaut, it's maybe a slightly less effective. Uh, but that doesn't mean um, it's not. Um, we certainly do try the diet a second time. The evidence would suggest, at least in large series, that what happens the first time tends to be what happens the second time. So if they had a 50% response and then the diet is weaned, and you know, we often will wean the diet, even if successful, after about two years. Um, at least in children, we do that. Um, you could try it again, and you probably have a 50% response again. Um, but every child is different. Some children... Right. You try it again and it, it works better. Sometimes you try it again and it doesn't work as well as the first time. I think it, it's an individual decision. You know, children as they age, their brains change and the diet is, is changing certainly rapidly every year. It seems like there's new ways to do the diet and new products out there. Um, and so we're definitely seeing a fair number of um, families, especially nowadays in our adult diet center, um, adults who come who said they tried it when they were children and sometimes 10, 20 years have gone by and now they're an adult and they ask about trying it again. So it's definitely worth thinking about and uh, discussing with the neurologist. Sure. And Julia wrote in, she said, is keto a realistic, sustainable diet? And would it have any harmful long-term effects on our bodies? So it absolutely is sustainable. You know, we have uh, children who uh, we start in the infancy and they turn 18 and then we have to transition them to our adult diet center. Um, And so we've had patients on the diet for decades um, for an epilepsy syndrome I mentioned a bit earlier called GLUT1 deficiency. There's strong evidence that the diet may be a lifelong therapy. Um, And so this is often diagnosed in childhood. And so we're seeing now children um, who become adults who stay on ketogenic diets for many, many years. Um, The side effects that I mentioned before, you still have to keep an eye out for. Um, Although one thing we do see is in many of our children on the diet long term, some of the side effects become less likely with some of them becoming more likely. And so some that become less likely are actually the lipid abnormalities, cholesterol, triglycerides over time. um, Those tend not to be a big problem for our patients on the diet for many years. But the one thing that we do have to keep an eye out for is bone health. Um, We know the longer you're on the diet, uh, the more effects it can have on your bones, especially for a young growing child. Anyone on the diet long term, we really um, do keep an eye on their bone health. Um, We have to keep an eye on growth. In an adult, it may not be as much of an issue, but for a young child, we want to certainly make sure they reach their appropriate height. Well, that's certainly information that is good to know. Stalin and Julia, we wish you the best of luck in your epilepsy journeys. Eric, it was great talking to you again, and thank you so much for sharing a lot about the diet. I know that this information will help a lot of people that are listening right now and help them understand a little bit more about what their options are when it comes to dietary treatments. So thanks again for that. We truly appreciate you taking the time to share with us. Absolutely. Glad to do it. All right, guys, that's it for this week. Please follow us on social media. I am at Epilepsy Podcast on Twitter, on Facebook, and on Instagram. If you have any questions, please send them in. You can message me at Epilepsy Podcast on social media. My personal page is at Tiff the Titan. You can send me messages at either one of those, and I will do my best to address any topics or questions that you may have about epilepsy. 
If you haven't already, subscribe to me on Apple Podcasts. I'm also on Google Play and just about any other podcast platform out there. Thanks for listening, and I hope you have a great seizure-free week. Remember always, fall down seven times, stand up eight. Peace.